21 construction workers left their homes, most of them from Egypt. They traveled to Libya for work, many trying to earn money to send home to their families. And they never came back. These construction workers were Christians, and as a result, they were all beheaded by ISIS. Gary Lane traveled to Egypt and sat down to talk with the families of these slain believers. All of them said to me, whether it was a mother or a wife or a brother, they said, we are honored to have our loved one murdered in that way for Jesus. What a privilege and what an honor it was for our loved one to die that way for Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we have a very special privilege this week. I am on the road in Virginia Beach, Virginia at uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network, and we're sitting down with Gary Lane. Gary's the International News Director and Senior Correspondent for CBN News. He's also the host of a weekly program, The Global Lane. He is also my former boss. He has worked at Voice of the Martyrs and uh, helped establish some of the media things that we are still doing today. Gary, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Well, welcome to Virginia Beach. <laughs> it is my pleasure to be here. How long have you been at CBN? When did you first start at CBN? I started at CBN back in 1984 as their first full-time Middle East correspondent. I lived in Jerusalem. I traveled quite often to Beirut and also Egypt, Jordan, other places around the Middle East, but we lived in Israel. And, uh, and then shortly after that, I was reassigned to Washington, D.C., uh, where I worked for 12 years. And then in 1996, came down here, started doing more international reporting, and, uh, and then went to the Voice of the Martyrs for three years. And that was in 2000, 2003. I felt called back to CBN. They wanted me to come back. And, you know, I, I've got to say, though, Todd, the, the time at VOM really gave me an appreciation for the persecuted church, and not just an appreciation, but an understanding of what it's all about. And you remember the former director, uh, he used to always tell us, look, it's uh, you really have to get into Richard Wormbrand's books. You've really got to come to understand that, you know, initially when I came there, it was like, oh, uh, this is horrible. We've got to stop the persecution. But then as you meet members of the persecuted church, right, you find out they never say that. They never say stop it. They pray, give us stronger backs to carry our crosses. They've always told me that. And then in addition to that, they always say, look, uh, our church grows. The church grows as a result of this persecution. So it gives you a different perspective, especially, as you know, from meeting all the people you meet around the world. really makes a difference. It absolutely does make a difference. So thinking back to the, the first story of a persecuted Christian, was that during your time in the Middle East? Was it after more when you came back here? What what story do you remember as like it kind of opened your eyes to, hey, there are persecuted Christians out here and, and we need to tell their stories? I would say it began in the Middle East, uh, my time in Lebanon. 
uh, meeting with Christians there that were terribly persecuted by Muslims, and especially those, I mean, sure, there was a war going on at that time, and you had Sunnis against Shia, <laughs> Shia against Christians, and everybody was against everybody then. Uh, but aside from the war, I met people who had actually been persecuted for their faith, uh, those that were in Muslim areas that had been persecuted, especially those who were evangelizing. I can't remember, you know, way back any one in particular. I think it was a collection of stories that really put that on my heart. And with CBN, we started reporting those. Of course, I didn't have as much of an opportunity in D.C., but when people would come into D.C., uh, we had other organizations uh, that would bring them to us from China and others uh, that were suffering persecution. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Gary Lane. He is the international news director for CBN News. Gary, you are telling stories of persecuted Christians, similar to what we do every week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Why do American Christians need to hear those stories? Well, because we're one in the body of Christ, and when one part suffers, we all suffer. And that's that's biblical. <laughs> And so we need to hear those stories. So the first thing we, we can do is pray. God will put it on our hearts when we hear them. Wow, it's not just enough to say, oh, isn't that too bad? We've got to do something about it. God wants us to put our faith in action. And I think it begins with praying and saying, Lord, I can't believe what I've just heard. What do I need to do? And then I believe the Holy Spirit convicts you and tells you what to do. And for some people, it's to pray every day for the persecuted church. And boy, they covet our prayers. They really need them. And the other thing would be uh, some people are called maybe to write letters to Congress, the president, and say, look, you need to do something about this. You know, put pressure on these governments, which, by the way, is happening like never before under this administration, really is, Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence especially. And then the other thing is money. They, they need money. What, what happens to the widows of pastors who get killed, uh, murdered in, martyred in uh, India or in the Middle East, in Pakistan or somewhere like that, or Egypt? They need help. Nobody is there to help them. Uh, in addition, if they're in prison uh, and it's the breadwinner of the family, what happens to the kids and the wife? They need someone to step in and say, look, not only are we praying for you, not only are we writing letters for you, but we're helping you. Here's some money to help you buy food. Here's some money to help you start a business. Here's some money for your kid's education. So I think that's what it's really all about. What are some of the stories that you've told over the years that, that stuck in your heart and, and that, you know, when I say persecuted Christian, who, who comes to your mind? You know, there are many. <laughs> because I know if I were to ask you that, you'd say, wow, can I count them yeah, all? Yeah. I mean, there, there have been so many. But I, I tell you, the, what really touched me was I had the privilege of traveling down to Minya province in Egypt uh, within a month after the 21 men were beheaded on the beach in Libya uh, by ISIS. And I met with family members down there, some of the widows. Now, I walked in there expecting to see the women grieving, you know, long faces, very sad, still in mourning. But it was just the opposite. I walked in, their faces were all aglow. Wow. And I, I was surprised by that, Todd. And, and so then I asked them, I said, well, tell me, how do you feel now? A month later, this was a short time. You've got to remember, right. this was only a month after it happened. I said, tell me, uh, how do you view what, what happened to your husband? And all of them said to me, whether it was a mother or a wife, or a brother, they said, we are honored to have our loved one 
martyred in that way for Jesus. What a privilege and what an honor it was for our loved one to die that way for Christ. And I went, wow, I don't know that I would say that if one of my family members had just been beheaded on a beach. I mean, these were innocent guys who just went to Libya to earn a living, to, to get a job, to have some money to support their families. And they get beheaded on the beach. But they stood firm in their faith. And they said that was an honor, that they didn't deny Christ. They stood firm in their faith, and they said, what a witness that is. And then I said to them, well, what about ISIS? Do you forgive them? Yes. Wow. We forgive them as the Lord, our Father in heaven, forgives us. And I went, I don't know that I would be so quick to forgive. But, you know, these are, these are Coptic Christians, and, and a lot of people say, oh, you know, these, these Coptic Christians, you know, they're not strong. You know, a lot of evangelicals will be critical of them. But, you know, I have found over the years these ancient Christian communities, some of them, when they go through persecution like that, are the best witnesses and the best Christians around. Uh, they, they really are. I mean, they really taught me a lot. It's interesting to me that they got there so quickly. I, I mean, you and I have both interviewed people who yes. it took years to get to that point of forgiveness. It took years to be able to say, well, no, this was really a good thing. This was really an honor for us. Do you have an explanation for how they got there within a month instead of it taking, you know, five years down the road? It's interesting because some people, it does. it's a process, isn't it? And some never get to that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, persecuted church, they're perfect. You know, they've got God's anointing on them. It's like, no, some of them, you know, never come to a place of forgiveness. I mean, they're just like you and me. But I think those that come to that place quickly, it's got to be the Holy Spirit. It's, it's nothing that, that they have done. It's just God touches them and says, you need to forgive. And they know their Bible, and they know that the Bible tells them, look, you, you have to, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Isn't that what Jesus said when he hung on the cross? And so basically they're, uh, they believe that, and they pray about that. And it's got to be the Holy Spirit. That's my only explanation. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Gary Lane. He's the International News Director at CBN News. He's also a former staff member at The Voice of the Martyrs. Gary, how did your connection to VOM start? Well, as you know, it started in Sudan. Uh, at that time, the southern part of Sudan, called South Sudan, it wasn't a country then, and they were waging a war against uh, the north. Actually, the north was waging war against them, trying to Islamize the Christians and the animus and the moderate Muslims in the south. And uh, so they fought a civil war for over 20 years. So it started, my first visit there was in 1993, and I met a uh, Irish uh, Catholic priest, by the, a former Irish Catholic priest by the name of Dan Eve. And Dan was working with Norwegian People's Aid. And it was uh, Congressman Frank Wolf that encouraged me to go and see what was going on firsthand there. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, I went there, and you talk about walking skeletons. And at that time in South Sudan, there were only two organizations that were working there, Norwegian People's Aid, Catholic Relief Services. The UN had pulled out of there because of the fighting. And I, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was just shocking. People lying in the hallways of a hospital. There weren't enough beds for everybody, and they were dying there. Little babies screaming because they were starving. Their mothers were starving. They had no milk to, to feed them from their breasts because they were starving. And it was just a miserable, horrible situation. And uh, so I did a story on it, brought it back to CBN, and, and God really put it on my heart to continue reporting on that and to go back. I went back in 94. And I really had an epiphany, Todd, because I felt as a reporter, 
I can't get involved in in these situations, right? I just have to report it. I've got to be objective. Yeah, you're you're a neutral third party. Well, but you know, where's your humanity? Where right. where's your where's your Christian faith if you just report and walk away? And it's like have a good day while people are dying. But I I went on a trip uh, and met some of the lost boys. And then uh, these are boys that just had been separated from their parents because of the war, and they were wandering in the bush looking for food and just trying to survive. So I was at a feeding center and met some of those boys. But then we also went to a location near the Ethiopian border uh, where Operation Blessing handed out blankets and food. And uh, so I, I had to go with my videographer and go and, and gather some, some uh, video and some interviews and that kind of thing. And I said to the guy who was heading it up for Operation Blessing, when do I need to come back to the plane so we can get out of here and get back to Kenya? Because we were on a chartered plane. He said, uh, about three hours. So we went and did what we had to do. About two and a half hours later, we were done. I came back. He was still handing out blankets to people. There was a circle of people there. And he threw a blanket at me. He said, here, you want to hand out some blankets? And all, my immediate reaction was, I can't do this. I'm reporting the story about him handing out the blankets. I can't actually be involved in it, <laughs> handing out blankets, right? But all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit come on me, and I really felt God saying, do it. It's like, whoa. Okay. You know how that is, yeah. right? And there was a woman standing next to me. She was completely naked. She had a baby at her breast, a newborn baby at her breast. The baby was crying. I took that blanket, and I wrapped it around her and the baby, and she looked up at me, and I'll never forget the look on her face. It was like I had given her gold. Wow. But then, make a long story short, I believe it was 1997 that a couple of VOM uh, workers, field workers, had gotten caught after distributing some relief in the Nuba Mountains. They were on the run for 10 days. They had a sat phone. They called into CBN, and we put that on the 700 Club of what was going on. And Pat Robertson uh, announced to the audience, said, ladies and gentlemen, we can't let the Sudanese do anything to these, these missionaries. Uh, if they do, then our State Department has to put them on notice. Look, you're going to be in deep trouble with us. So people called the State Department, called the White House, Congress, and uh, I, th- I think it worked because uh, even though the Sudanese government is tracking them down, going from village to village trying to find them, finally a plane got in there and got them out after 10 days. So then we had them on the 700 Club, and I said to uh, two of the missionaries there, I said, you guys going back? They said, well, not, <laughs> not in the next few days, but yes, we, we're going to go back. This hasn't stopped us from helping the people uh, of South Sudan and the Nuba Mountains. And they went back a couple months later, and I joined them. Because I, I said, look, it's very expensive to be, you know, charter a plane to get way into Sudan, especially Nuba Mountains. How about if we load it up with some relief for you guys? I'll get Operation Blessing to donate some. And we started doing that. And that was a partnership that lasted several years. We, we'd go in and, I'd, you know, uh, VOM would pay for the planes and we'd help with some of the uh, relief supplies. And I'd go and do stories. And that's how the relationship with VOM uh, came about, and then uh, and then I was asked in 2000 to come on board as the news director there, and uh, my wife and I prayed about it and felt God wanted us to do it, and I'll never regret it. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Gary Lane. He's the international news director and senior correspondent for CBN News. Gary, you talk about Sudan, and, and I've I have been there with you, actually, you on one malaria, of those. Right? I, I got malaria in yeah. Sudan, yeah, the, one of my souvenirs from that trip. Have you ever felt, and maybe have you ever felt is the wrong way to ask it, when is the time you've most felt 
like you were in danger, like like you your safety was threatened as you tried to tell these stories, because obviously these governments don't want these stories to get out. They want reporters like you to stay far, far away. When's the time that you felt like, uh oh, <laughs> we need to get out of here? Well, I've had a lot of close calls, uh, but God has always delivered me from that. But I, I can tell you one that just happened a couple of years ago. Uh, I was in Syria, uh, and we went to Kobani. And we this was with Operation Blessing, but I was hoping to do some good interviews with persecuted Christians and others there. And we, uh, we drove through Turkey. We entered through Turkey into Kobani, which is not far from the Turkish border. And um, this city had been uh, the scene of a major battle with ISIS and other extremists, and we were there after that, but there were still some of these militants running around. So we went into Kobani, we delivered three truckloads of flour, because there is a bread factory there, but the people had a little flour for bread. So we said, okay, we'll take some truckloads of flour. So we took them in. By the time we were done unloading those and gathering the story and meeting with people, it was getting dark. The gate into back into Turkey had closed. Oh my. Five o'clock. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I guess we're spending the night in Kobani. So they loaded us onto a, uh, a van. There were several of us. We had like four or five Peshmerga, unarmed Peshmerga guys with us and a couple others. And uh, I thought at night they were driving us out to the Peshmerga base where we were going to spend the night. And about an hour later, you know, and it's dark, and I see the lights of Kobani going down over the horizon. I said, where are we going? I said, oh, we're just going up the road a little bit. You have to go meet the sheikh. Because it's like the mayor, you know, the right. chief of the area. He wants to thank you for bringing in the flower. I said, okay, well, I guess we'll meet the sheikh. So about another half hour later, we end up at the sheikh's house. We go in. He greets us. We sit down and have uh, Turkish coffee with him. And uh, he said he was going to have a meal for us. Well, we never smelled any food being prepared. Half an hour goes by. An hour goes by. After an hour and a half, I looked at one of my colleagues and I said, you getting a little check in your spirit here like this guy's stalling or something? He said, yeah, I, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to get out of here. And I said, me too. So we said, thank you for your hospitality. We've got to go. We've got a long day tomorrow. We've got to go. And we said goodbye. And then they drove us to the uh, uh, Peshmerga base. This was about 1030 at night. We found out the next day, three miles from where we were, some ISIS fighters were coming towards our location and they got in a firefight with Peshmerga. Wow. And I think four Peshmerga were killed. I think they killed seven ISIS fighters. Uh, and then the next day there was a funeral. They asked us if we wanted to go to it. And I said, well, not really. we got to get going back in, <laughs> into Turkey and get out of here. But, uh, you know, we still, we, we wondered if they were, they knew Americans were there. They were coming for us because they could get money if they right. kidnapped us. And maybe the sheikh was in on it. Maybe he would get a little cut. Right? I've got some Americans here. You come on in and get them, and we'll share the, the ransom money. So, I mean, you don't know for certain, but it's something that makes you go, okay, maybe God was, was telling us something to get out of there to protect us. And I've had that happen many times. How does that affect how you pray before you go on a trip like yeah. that? How, how do you pray, <laughs> Lord, keep, keep an eye on us while we're here? Well, I, th I think, you know, a lot of people will be praying for you and giving you a good covering, but uh, I always remind them, look, it's not just praying for us as we go. Pray for our families. Mm -hmm. uh, because many times, if the enemy, because of your covering and your prayers, the Lord is protecting us, 
but you're not praying for the family members, and the enemy knows he can't get at us, so he attacks our family, right, while we're gone. I've had many things happen to my family members as I've been in the field. So pray for the family members, too, for God's protection, his provision, uh, and favor as well. But I, what I do before I go, and I know you do the same thing, God, I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. May I be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, because if, you, if you're not, you'll stay and you won't leave the sheikh's house, and you may end up kidnapped or killed. Uh, so I think it's very important to ask for God's uh, uh, direction, uh, that you will be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that he will guide and direct you and protect you. I think that's very important. But also lead you to those people that he right. wants you to meet because sometimes we have agendas and then all of a sudden, as you know, things change. This meeting was canceled. Your flight's late. You missed that. And then suddenly you have someone you didn't even expect, and that turns out to be the best story. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Gary Lane. He's the international news director for CBN News. And I would just tack on to what Gary has said. You know, we have a lot of workers at the Voice of the Martyrs that put a lot of miles on during the year. Uh, pray for them. Pray for their families. Pray for those divine appointments that pop up when uh, it seems like something is off track, but God is just kind of redirecting. Um, so please do pray for our workers and, and pray for our staff and their families. Gary, one of the things we do on Voice of the Mars Radio every week, hopefully, is help people to pray. So we've talked about praying for VOM staff, I know for CBN staff that travel around the world, but I want to ask, because you have met so many of them, how do you pray for persecuted Christians that, that maybe our listeners can can learn more about how they can pray also for our family around the world? Well, of course, it depends on their situation. If they have a loved one in prison, it's a little bit different, uh, which you would pray. But they always tell us, as I had mentioned earlier, don't pray that the persecution will end. I've never heard anyone tell me that. Have you? Don't, don't pray that the persecution, you know, they don't ever say pray the persecution will stop. But what they pray is pray that the Lord will give us stronger backs to carry our crosses, that we will uh, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but also that we, he, we will have his provision and we will endure the challenges and the trials and the suffering that we, we face. May we endure that. May we be good Christian witnesses. May we be, have opportunities to witness to others. And, and you know as well as I, those uh, who have been imprisoned, uh, that, that was their prayer. When they get out, they tell us that that was their prayer, that God would give them opportunities to share the gospel uh, with their cellmates, with those that are help holding them captive. So I would say uh, the first thing would be, let, let's pray that God will give them the strength to endure the trial that they're under and the suffering that they're, they're facing. Uh, the second thing, his provision for them in all ways, that he would visit them and comfort them, that he would send other uh, believers to come and comfort them and encourage them, and that they will be encouraged in their suffering. Also for provision, that the body of Christ around the world won't just sit in their pews on Sunday, but get up and do something. Be a voice, uh, but also you know, dig into your pockets. They need our help financially. They, they need food. <laughs> they need clothing for their kids. They, they, they need education. There are many things that they need. And, uh, and then partnering with those uh, organizations like the Voice of the Martyrs, um, they're basically doing the work. They're out there in, in the trenches helping them. As you said, pray for the VOM workers. But for those that are really suffering, uh, they covet our prayers. They absolutely do, and I've had the same experience. I've never had somebody say, 
hey, pray that we won't be persecuted anymore. Uh, they say, pray that we'll be faithful. Pray that we'll carry the cross that we have. How, how many countries have you been in at this point in your life? I, it's hard to keep track, but I know it's, it's probably about 120, give or take a few. Wow. 120, 122, 118, something like that. Gary, it is always a pleasure when we get to sit down. I uh, appreciate you. You've been a friend and a mentor to me for 20-plus years now, hard to believe. Appreciate you very much, and thank you for being with us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. I, I love VOM, always will, and uh, thank you for being here at CBN this time. We are excited to be here. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio as always, if you're just joining us, you can go to vomradio.net. You can hear this whole conversation with Gary Lane. We'll also give you a link to the Global Lane, the program that he produces each week and uh, talks about international events, talks about international situations, including the persecution of Christians. And uh, be back with us next week. We're going to have a very special guest, and you will want to be with us and not miss that conversation. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.